Amen. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? So glad that many of you are with us. Hopefully some of you are watching from home as well. Um, today, yes, today kicks off our church fast. And so I just want to speak a, a word or two to the church fast. Um, fasting is something that Jesus has called us to do. Uh, fasting isn't just for super Christians. It's not just, you know, the, the, the green berets of Christians that do fasting. Everyone should fast. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. And so this should just be a regular part of Christianity. This, is, this should be something that we do just the same way that we pray. It should be something that's regularly in our schedule. And so if you've never fasted before, I want to invite you to fast some kind of a fast this week with us as we fast uh, for 2024. Uh, we the, the corporate fast that we do every the beginning of every year is always a great time. We always have a lot of fun. Monday through Saturday, 6.30 to 8, we're going to be meeting here at the church. Uh, additionally, there will be hour time slots where you can pray at home alone. Sign up for those. Uh, one correction for those of you who received the first sheets that were handed out. Saturday says healing and God's glory, uh, just like Thursday, and so that's wrong. So take your pen out. Cross out healing and God's glory on the Saturday and write down hope and prophetic ministry. And you can also pick that up, on, a new sheet up on the way out the door. We'll have new sheets up on the way out the door. Uh, that was me. I, I didn't proofread it well enough, so that's on me. Pick one up on the way out the door. I love these new ones this year. They've got little lines for you to write down, take notes, put down uh, scriptures that come to you or scriptures that we share. Yeah. Uh, so that's fantastic. Um, fasting changed my life. We fast because what we're trying to do is we're trying to align ourselves better with God. And what fasting is, is fasting is giving up something that is legitimate and legal for us to have, something that's completely within the confines of what God told us that we could have, something that's pleasurable. A lot of times it's food so that we can partake of the extreme pleasures of knowing God. Jesus said, uh, when, they, when, they, when the Pharisees and the disciples of John the Baptist came and they questioned Jesus and said, why do we fast and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples, they don't fast. Jesus said, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? Jesus is basically saying, I'm here in their presence now. What, would they, what, what could they possibly fast for? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away, when I will be taken away, and then in those days they will fast. And this is what we fast for. We fast to have more of Jesus in our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, so as, as far as fasting goes, you guys can fast whatever you want. Um, I generally tend to do a Daniel's fast, no meats, no sweets. Um, and so that a lot of times will work for me. Um, I've gone steps further where I do raw vegetables only. You can do a juice fast. You can do a water fast. I can't do a water fast. Uh, you can do a media fast. You can do a social media fast. Basically, what you want to do is you want to fast that thing that takes up your time and you draw pleasure from so that you can get into the presence of God and spend more time with Him. That's the real purpose behind fasting. Right? We're not fasting just so that we can go and do something else, just so that we can you know, finish getting our daytimer crossed off. We're fasting so that we can spend more time in the presence of God. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the purpose. Yeah. All right, enough on that. Hey, wasn't that awesome? A little bit of Portuguese in the worship there this morning. Woo! Love it, yeah. love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. 
All right. Well, hey, listen, it's the beginning of the year, and I love to preach on the vision. Our vision here is engage God, engage church, and engage culture. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what each one of those things means, what, what each one of those things, uh, how that affects our life. And so I want to begin with engage God today. Engage God. And the scripture that I always use is this scripture. It's Matthew 22. He said, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? 387 questions were asked of Jesus. He answers four of them directly. He answers this one directly. When he's asked this question, he doesn't beat around the bush. He gets right to the point. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And without having been asked, he adds to it. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and all of the prophets. And so what is he saying? He's saying, I've got to flip my Bible here because I had it upside down. This is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. This is the law and the prophets. All of this hangs on just these two things that we just read. If we can love God and love one another, you can forget this whole part of the book. Talk about your cliff notes. <laughs> Sign me up. Sign me up. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And Deuteronomy 5, 6 says, with all your strength. And so sometimes when I'm reading this scripture in Matthew 22, I will just read it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I'll just tack that on in there. Right? So if I'm adding scriptures together, don't be offended. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. Love God. And so the, this is the commandment. This is the first commandment. And Jesus said, if you do these two things well, it, it covers the law and the prophets. And so do, how well do we do this? This, it, this becomes the question of the hour. This is engage God. How well do we love God? Take your pulse. Take the vital signs. How well do we love God? I don't know. How well do you know God? How, do, how well do we even know God? Let's jump into some more scripture here. Matthew eleven twenty five through 27. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. This is fascinating to me. The, the Jewish people at this time have had the Old Testament scriptures for 2,500 years. For 2,500 years, they've read the law of Moses. For 2,500 years, they've had all of these scriptures in their hands and they've read them over and over and over. They memorized the first five books of the Bible. They memorized them. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Just go memorize those. This is where they're at. This is where they're living. And Jesus says, no one... Even though you've done all of this work, even though you've had these scriptures, even though you've memorized them, committed them to memory, no one knows the Father except the Son. And so I ask the question again, how well do we know God? 
I immediately, with that comment from Jesus, I immediately want to dial back my answer. Well, I, I thought it was really good, Jesus, but maybe, maybe it's not so good. How well do we know Jesus? How well do we know the Father? How well do we know God? John 14, 6 through 8. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. And from now on, you, you know him and have seen him. This is uh, during the Last Supper, Jesus having this conversation with the disciples. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And so Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, we can extrapolate this from Scripture. If you know Jesus, then you know the Father. He said in the last Scripture that we read, earlier in the, in the testimony, He says, No one knows the Father except for the Son and the One to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. No one knows God except for Jesus and the One to whom Jesus will show the Father to. And here Jesus is saying, If you know Me then you know Him. If you know me, then you know Him. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father on earth. Jesus is not the limited version of the Father in existence. Right? But Jesus is the exact representation of the Father on earth. Every single thing that Jesus did on earth, as He walked through His ministry, as He walked the earth, every single thing that Jesus did is what the Father would do in any one of those given moments. And so Jesus is perfect theology. You want to know who God is? Know who Jesus is. We don't know the Father aside from knowing Jesus. This is what Jesus said. And so as we seek to know Jesus better, as we seek to come closer to Him, as we fast and as we cast off the pleasures of this world, partaking the pleasures of God, partaking the pleasures of Jesus, we come to know God better. We come to know God better. Fasting has a way of us, uh, of enabling us to submit our will, to submit our thoughts, to submit our preconceived ideas about what we believe God is like, we submit those things to the authenticity of the Word and to the Spirit of God. And we allow the Spirit of God, we allow the Word to teach us something new. Something different than what we believed before. Something that's more true than what we believed previously. 2 Corinthians 3, 17-18 Now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We love that verse, right? Keep reading. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so what the Scripture is saying is that we, 
as we continue to walk with God and as we be, continue to behold God, we're being changed just a little bit at a time so that we can become more like Him. Amen. We can become more like Him. Every day we can become more like Him. Now here's the challenge, guys, is that God's like this and we're like this and so we've got to be changed from one degree to the next. And so if we get changed one degree a year, it's going to take us 180 years. Can we speed up the process? Fasting speeds up the process. We are being changed from one degree of glory to another. And so come on this journey with me and let's partake. Let's look into who God is. Let's see Him like He really is. And let's be transformed in ourselves and let's become more like God in every single thing that we do. This is what it means to engage God. This is the process of engaging God. And this is the benefit of the process of engaging God. Is that when we engage with Him, when we look at Him, when we fix our eyes on Him, as we behold Him, we're changed from glory to glory. We're changed to become more like Him. And so this is why it's first. This is why it's always going to be first. And this is why it's never going to stop being first. Because engaging God, knowing who He is, is the most important thing that we will ever do. Amen. 1 John 3, 1 through 3, Behold what manner of the Father, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Again, with the beholding, fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to God. Find out who he is. The great challenge of my life for the past 30 years has been to find out who God is, is to discover who he is in all of his ways and in all of his deeds. Psalm, I think it's Psalm 103, it might be a different one, it might be 106. It says, Israel was acquainted with God's um, deeds, but Moses was acquainted with God's ways. Israel was acquainted with what God had done, but Moses knew the way and the motive behind what he was doing the whole time. And so we're invited in as a people to not just know what God did, what God does, but to know who He is, why He does it, what His motivation of His heart is. And that in the process, we are transformed too. And so how do we, how do we come to the place where we know God? How do we come to the place where we know God better? Number one, read your word. I'm never going to get tired of saying this. Read your Bible. Read it. Eat it. Eat it, sleep it, breathe it, drink it, put it in you, get it in you. I don't care what you got to do. Memorize it. If you can't memorize it, just keep reading it. Just keep listening to it. Put it on audio. Hit the play button. Go to sleep with it on. Whatever. You've got to get this in here. And it doesn't work by just sleeping on it. I've, I've, I've not tried it. Well, I think I have fallen asleep on it once or twice, but... You just keep reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. Jesus said this. He said to the, to the Jewish people, to the uh, Pharisees, he said, you search the scripture for in them you think you find life, but they are that which 
testify of me. They are that which points to me. And so every scripture we read tells us who God is. And so I'm not discounting the Old Testament because Jesus said, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, and all of that hangs on that. I'm not discounting that. Read it all, beginning to end, front to back, back to front, up to down, down to up. It doesn't matter how you read it, just keep reading it. It doesn't matter if you remember it. None of you guys remember what you ate for lunch last Tuesday. But it nourished you for the day. And the word is the same way. As you read it daily, it nourishes you for the day. When was the last time you read it? Some of us are spiritually malnourished because we haven't read it in a minute. When was the la- How many of us ate breakfast this morning? How many of us skipped breakfast this morning? How many of us didn't have energy because we didn't skip because we skipped breakfast? How many of us are, You wouldn't go a whole day without eating. Would we go a whole day without reading our word? And how often do we go a whole day without reading our word? And so we just need to I'm I'm committed to it. I told you this before, I'll tell you this again. 30 years from now, if I'm still preaching, I'm still going to be telling you to read your word. Read it, 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 read it. Memorize it. Understand it. And then understand it again. And then go and ask and pray Jesus and say, Jesus, give me more. Because it's a living word. And every time you read it, you'll discover something new. It's the only book you'll ever read where the author shows up when you read it. Thank God, that'd be kind of funny if you were in the bathtub reading and all of a sudden the the author showed up. (laughs) Somebody got it. How else? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Somebody texted me this, this week and said, hey... Can you recommend a good book on being quiet in the presence of the Lord? And I, I thought real hard. I don't think I've ever read one. Um, but it's something that I've practiced for a long, long time. I learned to do this about 20 years ago when I, re- when I worked at the nursery. I would make my coffee in the morning. I'd go and I'd you know, get it set up in the machine. And then once my coffee was ready, I'd pour it in the cup. And then I'd go and I'd sit in the chair. And my goal in the first 30 minutes of my day was not to go through my prayer list. wasn't to tell God everything that was going on. It wasn't to read my Bible. It was just to sit with Him and to clear my mind and to stop every single thought that I have so that He can speak. So that He can speak. So that He can speak. And I realized that Um, as much as I say this and as much as I do this, I realize that this isn't a thing for a lot of people. Um, As a matter of fact, years ago, after I first figured out how to do this and I started talking about it a little bit, um, one of the other pastors uh, that was here at the time said, not many people do that. And I was kind of like, huh. And I don't even remember why I started, but somebody probably read this scripture and said, hey, just spend some time sitting quietly in the presence of the Lord. When we have the ability, when we have the ability to quiet our minds, we will have victory and we will have peace. It's something that you can learn to do. Quiet your mind. It may take time. It took me time. But once you learn to do it, 
Nobody can ever take it away from you. Be still and know that I am God. It's interesting, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, it says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? (laughs) Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? That's a very unusual word. I don't know that I've ever heard that word any place other than Psalm 42. You seem awfully disquieted today, Elizabeth. Nobody says that. But the quietness, what David's saying is that the quietness that's normally in my soul has gone from me. David, among, you know, among everyone else that we read in the Bible, David was very well in touch with his emotions. He was very well in touch with his inner thought life. And so when David says, why are you disquieted within me? We can, we can know that David had a real sense of what was going on on the inside. He kept track of his thoughts. And so in this moment, he realized that his thoughts weren't quiet. You know, throughout Scripture, Proverbs here in in Psalm 42, 43, there's a connection between depression and anxiety. They're connected. They're connected intimately. The more the anxiety, the more the depression. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Connection between anxiety, disquietness, and depression. Proverbs, um, I don't remember the address. Anxiousness leads to depression. We need to be a people that can sit quietly with the Lord. We need to learn to do this. In um, the story of Elijah, when he runs from Jezebel, and he goes into the wilderness, and then he goes into the mountain, and then there's the earthquake, and then there's the, the storm, and then there's, it's the lightning, and then there's the fire, and then there's all these things. And it says, and then there was a still, small voice. That, that word there in the Hebrew for still small voice, it could also mean there was silence. And so God speaks oftentimes in the silence. He speaks in the silence and he speaks with the still small voice. Why? Because he wants us, he wants us to be pressing into him to hear what he has to say. If I'm standing on the other side of the room and I'm yelling, hey, You don't have to be close to me for that to happen. But if I'm whispering very quietly, you've got to get really, really close. And that's what God wants. It's not even about the passing of information. We're probably more caught up on the passing of information. He just wants us to get close to Him. Will we do it? Will we be still and know that He is God? Sit down with your coffee and you start going through the list in your mind. For the first few times when you do this, you may have to have some paper handy or notebook. And as you start having those, no, those thoughts, just start writing stuff down. I'll think about that after. I'll think about that after. I'll think about that after. I don't have to think about that right now. I can think about that later. Me thinking about that right now is only going to distract me from my quiet time with God. Eventually, you'll learn to do this without the paper. And then eventually... The, th- the thoughts will just stop coming altogether. But we need to train ourselves. D- make the decision that you're going to do it. Make the decision that you're not going to be stopped. Make the decision that no matter how long it takes, I will learn to be quiet in the presence of God. I know that um, a lot of us have anxiety, and I know that... Um, 
a lot of people just aren't comfortable being quiet with themselves. It's clear when you're around certain people, they just talk all the time. There's a lot of people that they're just not comfortable with themselves. You've got to be comfortable with God, and you've got to be comfortable with you, and you've got to be comfortable with just God and just you. The only two people in the room, you and him. Be comfortable in that place. And once you're comfortable in that place, you'll learn to begin to understand what your identity is. Beyond what the Bible tells us, that God loves us, my identity is that God loves me. But my identity goes beyond that. But I'll never hear that from him if I don't first quiet myself with him. We suffer a lot of things in our mind. We suffer a lot of wrong thinking because we don't have a proper identity of who we are. John 10:14 Jesus said, "I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own." So the great story of our life is that we get to find out who God is. We get to come to the place where we know him deeply and intimately. I know my sheep, and my sheep know my voice. I'll be talking with the people, pastors, whoever, and somebody will say something, and it'll just spring up in me, and I'll just say to myself, because I don't necessarily need to say this out loud. I don't need to prove anything. But somebody will say something, and I'll just be like to myself, that, that doesn't sound like the God that I know. I'm not being boastful. I'm not being arrogant. I just have had some history with God. I've walked this out for a while. I've read the scriptures a num- numerous amount of times memorized a lot of it and so I know I have this deep feeling of who God is I have this deep understanding that passes knowledge Ephesians 3 it passes knowledge of who God is I understand him from my spirit and so sometimes somebody will say something and I'm like that just doesn't sound like God to me and it's a little bit off and I don't know why and I'm not going to shoot the person down because they're friends. But I can make that evaluation because I know God here. And then I'll take what that person has said and I'll go back to the scriptures and I'll search and I'll analyze and I'll say, God, why is it that I feel like what that person shared, that's just not you? And sometimes I find an answer and sometimes I don't. But what I find is that more often than not, in the months and years to come, that whatever that person said, it proves to be wrong because of who I know God to be. This is, the, this is the intimate relationship that Jesus has called us into. This is the intimate relationship that Jesus has invited us into, that he wants us to partake in, so that when, when we walk, when we have those conversations, when we don't have our Bible open, you know, for us to be able to... He doesn't want us to be fighting with one another. I just know, ah, oh, that doesn't sound like... This just doesn't sound like God. That doesn't sound like you, Jesus. Do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? Psalm 27, verse 8. My heart has heard you say, come talk with me. And my heart responds and says, Lord, I'm coming. 
in the New King James, it says, My heart has heard you say, Seek my face. And I have responded and said, Your face, Lord, I will seek. I like the way the New Living Translation says it a little bit better. It makes it a little bit simpler. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. Come and talk with me. If we talk about seeking God's face, what does it really mean? But if we're talking about Jesus asking us and saying, hey, come talk with me. I can talk. I love to talk. Mostly about myself, kidding. <laughs> My heart responds and says, Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. And so the invitation goes out this week. Right? We're having our corporate fast. I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus will be in the room every single night of the week this week. 6.30 to 8. We'll be here. He'll show up before you get here. He'll stay after you leave. Jesus will be in the room. Holy Spirit will be in the room. Probably in a very manifest way many nights of the week. And so Jesus is asking and just saying, Hey, Come and talk with me. Come and talk with me. Can you set aside some time this week to come and talk with me? Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. I make it a regular practice to to take uh, extended times of prayer. I'll pray for a day. I'll pray for two or three days. Um, and I make it a regular practice to take these extended times of prayer because it's in those extended times of being in the Lord's presence that I discover more of who He is. I discover the strength behind His words, the strength that He has within Himself that He's willing to share with me on a daily basis, that grace. It's in those extended times of prayer that I come to know God in just a deeper way. And so I, I'm, I hunger for them, and I thirst for them. I, I, I have this desire. Years ago, um, we taught our children to fast when they were still quite young, I don't know, teenagers, somewhere's in there. And um, we'd do it, and we'd recommend that they do something. You know, we'd fast meats and sweets, but they just had to fast the sweets, right? So they could still eat the meat because they were growing kids, but they had to fast the sweets, something, right? And then we'd, we'd encourage them, hey, what do you want to give up for, for this fast? What do you want to give up for this fast? I'm going to give up Nintendo. Okay, great. That's great. You know, uh, whatever it is. But they began and they got to understand this idea of, of surrendering the pleasures, right, to take, a part, to take part in the pleasures of God. And so as the kids got older, there'd be regular times where they'd be coming to... Stacy or myself, and they'd be like, I, I need to fast. I, I'm, I'm asking God for this thing. And they'd tell us what they were fasting for. And they'd tell us what they were fasting. And the heart response of, of a father who hears that, that their child wants to fast, my heart response is like, I'm going to fast with you. I'm going to press God with you for that answer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast what you're going to fast, and I might even fast something else that I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to fast, but I'm going to fast so that you get the breakthrough, so that you get your answer. There's, there's <laughs> and it's kind of like, I, I, yes, I'm fasting for their answer, but I know that in the midst of my fasting for them and with them for their answer, I'm going to get blessed because I'm going to get touched by Jesus more. 
I'm going to come to this place where I know Him more. It, you can get onto the wheel of fasting where you're just fasting and, and you just, you, you, can, you, you can get to a point where you become, you, you can get to the point where you can become addicted to it. Where it's like, oh, I just need to fast again. Oh, I just need to fast again. Oh, I just need to fast again. I've been there. And then I've also been on the other side where I've heard the Lord calling and saying, hey, come and talk with me. You want to come and fast? And I know it's the Lord calling and I know it's the Lord putting on my heart. I know he's drawing me to, to the season of fasting and I'm just like, no God, not right now. And it's in those moments where I'm like, no God, not right now. Where I feel like Adam hiding in the garden. I didn't sin. I didn't sin. It wasn't like I ate of the fruit that I shouldn't eat. It's just an invitation to enter into someplace deeper. And I'm like, nah. 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 I want to encourage you to, uh, to come out to the fast this week. I want to encourage you to read your word. I want to encourage you to spend some time Maybe this week, maybe you won't have time this week with the fast, but set out some time in your schedule where you can learn to sit in silence with the Lord. Learn to do this thing. Because sitting with God is the best thing that we get to do. Martha and Mary, Martha serving, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha comes out. She's got the gift of hospitality. That's why she invited Jesus in in the first place. She would love the fact that he's at the house, but now she's serving all by herself. Where's Mary? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, Martha comes and complains. Jesus, tell her to help me. What is this? What gives? How do I have to do all the work? And what does he say? Martha, my beloved Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but Mary has chosen this one thing this better thing. And I'll, it'll not be taken away from her. I'm not going to tell her to leave. This is the thing that we all actually need, to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to learn to do it. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask that you would just come, that you would move upon our hearts, God, that you would guide us, that you would lead us. Lord, we, I pray uh, for those that would draw away with you this week, God, that you would stir our hearts God that you would teach us to sit in that quiet place and hear your voice to hear your words God that you would minister to us that God that we would sense your presence that we would sense your nearness God I pray that um, the word would become alive to those who read it Lord if there's somebody here that struggles to read their word I pray that you would give them a passion for reading their word, God, that it would no longer be a struggle anymore. But God, that they would find you in the scriptures, that they would search for you in the scriptures. And Lord, I pray that for each person here, uh, even as we come out each night of the week this week, God, I pray that you would give us a special impartation of who you are this week. God, come and move over us right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up, receive the offering. Thanks, guys. We hope to see you here every night this week, beginning tomorrow night, 6.30. Thank you, Pastor Matt. And we thank you that, thank you, Lord, that we can still engage with you through our giving.
How many of you know that giving is God's idea? God loved us so much he gave Jesus the best gift of all. So we get to honor and continue giving even when the world may stop and wait till next year. We can continue to give here at Redeeming Love. If you look on the screens, there's multiple ways to give here. Online, you'll also see those. So I'm just going to pray over our offering. And Lord, we just thank you for the generosity of this church, of this house. And God, I pray that you would continue to move upon the hearts. I know that um, our Kingdom Builders offering is still going on. So Lord, I thank you that you just move upon our hearts to give. And Lord, we pray that we would always remember that when we give, we're not losing, we're gaining because we're giving into your kingdom and your soil. And God, I pray that you would bless the gifts that are being given and bless the gift givers. And I thank you that it's going into good soil. And I thank you for this kingdom builders offering that we get to do every year. And I thank you, God, that we're going to exceed even what we set out there to do. And we just bless it all in the mighty name of Jesus. And again, if you're a first-time guest, make sure you go to the Connect Corner for your T-shirt. And we are going to be taking down the Christmas decorations. And we will have prayer teams underneath both screens. God bless. Everybody stay safe.